The other thing uh, that Swift GPI offers, in addition to providing status updates, is the ability to include detailed fee information within payment messages, which you know brings greater transparency. I think very welcome development to you know what is a notoriously grey area of, of settlement costs. Welcome to Actualizing Success. In this podcast series, our in-house advisors discuss today's finance and technology topics with an emphasis on solutions that embrace tomorrow. Hi, I am Carrie Weckolo, COO of Actualize Consulting, and today I have Dean Ibs, a manager in our UK office. Welcome, Dean. Thanks, Carrie. Good to be here. Today, we are turning our focus to a critical facet of corporate finance, the importance of payment strategies within treasury functions. The significance of a well-crafted payment strategy cannot be overstated. It serves as a linchpin of seamless financial operations within an organization, transcending mere transactional logistics and playing an instrumental role in optimizing cash flow, mitigating financial risk, and ensuring regulatory compliance. In today's session, our goal is to explore components in crafting your payment strategy. We'll delve into key considerations and shed light on the latest industry best practices, providing actionable insights on how to effectively implement them for the benefit of your company. Where would you like to start, Dean? Thanks, Kerry. I think in today's world, we have to start by thinking about risk management. You know, historically, risk management in payments has tended to focus primarily on ensuring accuracy and maintaining operational continuity. You know, whilst those remain pertinent factors, we need to also recognize that the landscape has evolved. You know, there are new risks coming from the rise of digital transactions, uh, increased cyber threats, uh, and generally more complex global payment systems. Absolutely. It seems like there's a story every week with a new security hazard for organizations to tackle. I read an article recently highlighting that for the first time in 2023, ransomware attacks on businesses extorted over 1 billion, which is a really incredible sum. With new risk emerging at unprecedented pace, what can treasurers do to protect their organizations? Yeah, I think that's a key question. Um, One that it's certainly getting uh, more and more difficult to answer. Um, I think, as you've alluded to well, you know, advancements in uh, payment technology that we've seen, you know, for all their their benefits, have also created a pretty fertile ground for sophisticated cyber threats. Um, you know, we see cyber criminals continuously trying to exploit vulnerabilities in in payment systems. Unfortunately, um, they're leveraging a variety of malicious tactics and and techniques. I mean, that all sounds pretty doom and gloom. It's it's, it's not all bad news. Um, you know, at the same time, I think we're increasingly seeing technology developers and, and vendors working to keep pace, you know, and to provide uh, innovative solutions to, to mitigate those risks. And they have a, a lot of work ahead of them, for sure. So should our listeners be thinking about investing in these solutions? What options do they have available? Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's imperative for any modern payment strategy to incorporate technology solutions as the primary means of, of risk mitigation. And, and you know, again, there's a variety of tools available. You know, one of the simpler options and, and most well-known uh, you know, to implement is, is multi-factor or two-factor authentication. You know, we even see this in our personal lives these days with multi-factor authentication on emails and um, banking apps and those sorts of things. You know, it requires users basically to verify their identity through multiple means. So that could be through through passwords or or biometrics. 
most systems now support multi-factor authentication uh, and with tools like you know bc google and microsoft authenticator freely available and, and super easy to configure i think they can offer a really cost-effective way of immediately improving the security of, of payment approval processes uh, another solution i see gaining prominence is uh, the concept of payment tokenization so it's this idea in which uh, sensitive information so things like account numbers uh, are replaced with digital tokens those tokens are effectively meaningless to unauthorized parties and the information that's obfuscated is only readable by the intended recipients uh, so that can help to significantly reduce the risk of exposing sensitive financial data yeah and i know that even within our own banking at actualize uh, i have a token for each one of our banks as well and i have no problem using that to make sure that everything is safe and secure so it's good to know that even for treasury teams with limited budget or resources, there are tools available to improve their payment security. What about payment fraud? Some of the statistics I have gathered on this are equally concerning. A survey by the AFP estimates that around 65% of organizations were victims of payment fraud attacks or attempts last year. Half of those affected were unable to recoup lost funds. Can you talk about a little bit more about some of the solutions available to help with fraud prevention and detection? Yeah, certainly. Uh, as you say, it's a it's a fairly scary picture when you, you okay. read some of those statistics. Um, you know, over the last few years, we've seen significant investments by TMS vendors and other technology providers in functionality to assist with payment fraud risk. Um, you know, many are now offering the ability to define a set of rules. Uh, to help detect potentially suspicious activity that, that could require you know, further review or scrutiny. Some examples I've seen our clients use are uh, rules to flag uh, any cross-border payments, perhaps to countries that are not in the list of locations that the firm typically operates. It could be one example. Another is uh, perhaps to flag if there's a first-time transfer to a new account associated with an existing supplier. Um, so just to you know, prompt the uh, organization just to validate that that is in fact a, a valid um, approved account you know, prior to releasing any funds. There are also more sophisticated solutions on the market as well uh, that are using artificial intelligence to actually analyze historical payment data and establish uh, you know, what, what patterns constitute normal behavior uh, and then generate alerts for any deviation from those patterns that again might indicate that there's some potential fraud. Uh, ongoing. It's interesting to observe the industry actively exploring the application of artificial intelligence to support treasury processes and with the potential cost of payment fraud so high, both from a monetary and reputational perspective, payment security definitely feels like a natural fit. Pivoting away from the topic of security, what additional factors should we consider when formulating a corporate payment strategy? Yeah, so it's it's not necessarily everyone's favorite topic, but you know, inevitably regulation continues to exert a greater influence on the world of treasury payments uh, and, and has to be a, a key part of any strategy. Uh, you know, in particular, we've recently seen a lot of new regulation uh, governing international payments. So some of these, of course, have very direct implications for managing cross-border transfers. You know, so we think about laws related to anti-money laundering, um, the EU Payment Service Directive, PSD2 as it's known, uh, or updates uh, to FBAR, the Foreign Bank and Financial Accounts uh, regulations in the US. 
I think my experience is that treasuries are generally fairly up to speed with those. But perhaps where they should also be thinking uh, further is about how laws in areas like privacy or, or data protection might indirectly affect uh, you know, payment processing. You know, I think in terms of best practice, having uh, legal and audit teams as stakeholders in the development of treasury payment policies is a, uh, is a really good way to ensure compliance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that extra step can definitely be beneficial for companies. So aside from the examples you've mentioned already, are there other regulations our listeners should be thinking about in relation to their payment strategy? Yes. Uh, I mean, we could we could spend the whole afternoon talking about regulation, but um, we did dedicate a previous episode to the ISO 222 transition. Uh, so as a reminder, that's a, a new standard for financial messaging uh, that will significantly change uh, payment formats and communication protocols. Anyone that hasn't heard that particular episode can still find it on our social channels. Um, but, you know, the the uh, the key message really from that is that any corporates on the SWIFT network that are currently using the MT series of uh, payment message formats, whether that be you know, MT101, MT103, they need to know that a migration to the new uh, ISO 222 standards will have to be completed by November 2025. Um, you know, and we've, we've picked over now into 2024 and you know, that date might still feel some way off. But, um, you know, successfully navigating the transition is likely to require careful planning, uh, collaboration with with multiple stakeholders um, and potentially a significant commitment of time and resources, too. And I think that speaks to a wider point, right? For Treasury departments, resource and time constraints can be inevitably a result in a fairly reactive approach to regulatory changes. However, we see through the work we do with our own clients that planning ahead and taking a more proactive approach actually enables resources to be allocated more efficiently, as well as helping prevent any last minute scrambles to comply with any new laws and standards. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, there can be a tendency to to deprioritize regulatory um, requirements. But you know, there are a range of resources available to help organizations understand and evaluate uh, the impact of regulatory changes on, on their payment strategies. Um, you know, there's an array of industry publications, uh, white papers and webinars freely available online, um, as well as specialized consulting services, uh, so like Actualize, like ourselves, uh, that can support uh, more in-depth analysis uh, and offer practical advice. Perhaps the other thing I'd do is I'd encourage our listeners to engage directly with uh, regulatory bodies. Um, you know, in my experience, they often provide their own guidance uh, documents and resources. Um, you know, I think if you, you're in need of clarification, then you, know, you can't do any better than going directly to the source. Um, you know, so it's a, something our, uh, our clients, our listeners should, should consider doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, any other good tips on regulation? Perhaps a, a, the final point I'll make before we before we switch topics is that, that you know, as I said, I think there's a tendency to view uh, regulatory compliance as a as a necessary evil, you know, something that just has to be done with with little upside for treasury departments. Um, but it, it doesn't always have to be a zero sum game, you know, as well as as avoiding you know non-compliance as as you mentioned, you know, that sort of late scramble and worry uh, to get to get a, a project over the line, you know. 
taking a different approach, looking at early adoption can also provide a source of strategic or, or competitive advantage. You know, for instance, if you think about uh, organizations that proactively adopted the um, the SEPA standards uh, for euro payments uh, before the mandatory deadlines, uh, they were able to realize uh, you know, much sooner the time uh, and cost savings associated with streamlining their cross-border transactions within within the eurozone. You know, as another example, we've worked ourselves with some organizations that have embraced the ISO 222 transition um, and are already using the improved data quality uh, and richer information to help with automatic reconciliation um, and give them greater uh, liquidity visibility also. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. As new regulations usually entail unavoidable obligations with set deadlines, it's logical for corporates to also explore ways to leverage these changing for potential benefits and perhaps help offset some of the associated time and resource expenditures. So what else do we have remaining on our agenda for today? I did want to spend some time talking about some of the newly emerging uh, payment methods and technologies that we're seeing in the market. Um, There are several developments that I think will fundamentally change the way that corporates think about payment processing. Uh, The one that has perhaps had the most press is the introduction of real-time payment methods, uh, such as the the clearinghouse's RTP network, uh, the Federal Reserve's FedNow service, uh, and SEPA instant credit transfers. What is it about these payment methods that make them so potentially transformational? Yeah, good question. In, In most cases, I think payment processing remains a, a batch-driven procedure uh, with transactions grouped and, and processed only at, at defined intervals. Um, it's a methodology that's predominantly driven by outdated systems and outdated concepts, uh, things like bank cutoff times, uh, for example. And it presents you know, significant hurdles for treasury functions. You look at the, the reliance on batching often leads to delayed settlements, uh, which then adversely impacts cash and liquidity management, as well as reducing uh, flexibility. Uh, being able to transition to real-time payment methods can effectively address those challenges. Uh, and I think will foster generally a much more dynamic and responsive approach to payment processing. The, the, the freedom to initiate immediate settlements at any time of the day is the, the obvious headline, uh, but there are other benefits as well. You know, so real-time payment systems can deliver enhanced cash visibility uh, by facilitating live transaction reconciliation, as well as uh, allowing higher rates of straight-through processing, you know, thanks to the, the levels of automation that are typically integrated into those, those real-time systems. Right. And to perhaps give further context to your point, the real-time payments market is projected to grow from approximately $18 billion today to an estimated $125 billion by 2030, which I think really underscores the immense potential and in increasing adoption of real-time payments systems. What are some other solutions that corporates should be thinking about in relation to their payment strategy? Yeah, again, I think it's a really, really good statistic. You know, the idea of a, a market growing by more than more than seven times uh, in you know four or five years is uh, is pretty incredible. So I think, uh, as you say, a good way just to uh, emphasize um, you know how we see the real time payments uh, adoption growing. Uh, in terms of other other uh, solutions, I think any corporates that are already connected to the SWIFT network. 
uh, it's worthwhile exploring the potential benefits of the global payment innovation uh, or GPI program, as, as some people might know it a little better, uh, in, in relation to cross-border payments. When it was launched back in 2017, the program aimed, I think, primarily to enhance the tra traceability and transparency of international payments, um, an objective that has since been accomplished uh, through the introduction of uh, unique end-to-end -end transaction references, or UETRs, to throw another acronym into the mix. Uh, these references are assigned to each transaction uh, and persist consistently throughout the entire payment lifecycle. You know, what that allows Treasury departments to do then is to uh, query the status of a payment at any time uh, and receive real-time feedback uh, to allowing any necessary actions then to be taken promptly, you know, rather than incurring delays um, simply because of a lack of visibility about um, a problem or, or some holdup with the processing of the payments. The other thing uh, that SWIFT GPI offers in addition to providing status updates is the ability to include detailed fee information within payment messages, which you know brings greater transparency. I think very welcome development to you know what is a notoriously grey area of, of settlement costs. Well, it definitely seems the value of GPI program is apparent. But speaking of costs, can you provide some insight into the factors that could influence the pricing associated with implementing the solution? Sure. Uh, you know, as with any investment, it, it's crucial to fully evaluate the business case uh, and anticipated return on investments prior to committing you know, to, to one direction or another. The costs associated with SWIFT GPI can depend on the financial institution through which the organization is accessing the SWIFT network. Some of the other considerations I've seen are the volume of payment transactions, uh, as well as the, the, the makeup of the specific services and features that the organization requires. You know, I think for anyone that is interested in adopting Swift GPI, I'd recommend that they consult their service provider. Uh, you know, that'd be the best way to obtain up-to-date estimates of the specific fees and costs uh, and allow that assessment of the, the business case to be made. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, Dean, thank you so much for your time today. I'm sure our listeners have found today's discussions insightful, but I think we're just about out of time. Do you have any concluding thoughts for us? No problem. Um, you know, thank you for having me. Uh, I think it's clear that crafting an effective corporate payment strategy requires careful consideration and a forward-thinking approach. You know, the the fast-paced context of today's business world demands agility, it demands adaptability, which makes it imperative for organizations to leverage digital advancements uh, and innovative solutions. As corporates continue to try and navigate the ever-evolving payments landscape, staying informed about emerging technologies and you know, industry best practices is, is going to be paramount. You know, so whether you're you know, navigating the complexities of digital transformation or seeking solutions to optimize your payment processes, you know, we'd, we'd be really happy to explore ideas together. Uh, see our expertise and tailored services can perhaps help elevate your, your financial operations. Thanks, Dean, again, and thanks to all our listeners. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Actualizing Success. Make sure to visit us online at www.actualizedconsulting.com where you can explore our service offerings. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred platform. If you've enjoyed what we talked about today, please consider leaving a review and following us on LinkedIn. If you have any questions or would like to share your opinions with us, please send us a note at podcast at actualizedconsulting.com. We look forward to hearing from you.